0: This is Jim Collins welcoming you to News Extra on Scariff Bay Community Radio where we feature interviews which go into detail on some of the events in the news this week. Jennifer McConnell has recently set up a company, Life Legacy, focusing on matters that would concern us all, death, life and legacy. I spoke with Jennifer in studio during the week. So Jennifer McConnell, uh, host of uh, Saturday Chronicle and... Uh, Sometimes the news on Scariff Bay Community Radio. First of all, you're welcome. Thank you very much, Jim. Um, Living Legacy. Now, Tom and Patricia interview, interviewed you about Living Legacy, maybe going back in the last year or so. Yeah. But I mean, it's certainly, it's an interesting topic. Maybe it's a topic we try and avoid sometimes. But how how is it going?
1: Yeah, so it's going well. So yeah, I had, um, I, I was thrilled to be interviewed by Patricia Ann and Tom, I think at the end of January this year, and I had launched Living Legacy November 11th, so the 11th of the 11th last year, with the intention of supporting businesses with regard to succession planning and individuals with regard to end-of-life planning. Now, it seems like a bit of an odd mix, but when you think of the likes of family businesses quite often when they're planning for their succession, they're also thinking about their end of life plans, their financial plans, legal plans, all that kind of thing. Now, I'm not a financial advisor or a solicitor, but what I am is I've been trained as a business and life coach. I've 25 years experience working in businesses as well. And I've also had the opportunity of working in unusual organizations and unusual countries. So was very much involved in business continuity, disaster management. So I suppose I come with a an unusual angle of business in terms of the what ifs. So playing the devil's advocate as such. <laughs> um, and it really, I suppose, over the years, it really stood out to me about the importance of planning beyond ourselves. So whether it's in a business, how do we ensure that the business continues long after we're gone, whether we've moved job, moved organisation or, you know, changed career. But also even in terms of life, how do we prepare for when we've moved on
0: yes.
1: to another realm? And we actually ensure that we get our affairs in order but that we're very clear about what our wishes are so that those that are left behind get to honor our wishes but also aren't left with the burden of huge administrative responsibilities trying to figure out all of the things that were connected to us and really allow them that space to grieve so living legacy was born with the intention of actually helping people whether as businesses or individuals to actually create and live their legacy i suppose
0: Failing to plan could result in an awful mess.
1: Oh, huge. So I, as part of this business, I do a lot of research. I talk to a lot of people, whether it is business owners, fam- uh, funeral directors, financial planners, lawyers. And really probably the biggest, there's two big issues when it comes to things like lack of succession plannings, lack of end of life plannings is the headache that is left for people. And also probably the blocks in people getting started in this process. Mm. Quite often when we come to talking to people about end of life plans, they just go, yeah, 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 I, yeah, yeah, sure. No, I did a will 20 years ago or, oh, yeah, I must get around to doing a will. Mm. But end of life planning isn't just the will. The will Mm. is one element of it. But it's everything from actually how are you honouring your life lived? So, again, you could have where you may have a funeral service in your honour. And somebody is to stand up and give a eulogy and you don't necessarily have a say in what they get to say. (laughs) But with regard to the legacy is for some legacy is making a donation to charity. For others, legacy is financial wealth. But actually, for many of us, our legacy is the mark that we make in the world. How do we change things for the better and how do we actually pass on something good for others to benefit. So that's the aspect of legacy that I'm looking at. Mm. But bringing all of the elements of the financial elements, the legal elements and the life elements for everybody to be considered and also to, I suppose, be informed so that they can then make the best decisions, get their affairs in order and then use that as an opportunity to make space for the life yet to mm. live. There's there's a
0: stumbling block though, Jennifer. And I mean, it's, it's the case with every single one of us, mm. myself included, we don't want a, a conversation about our death mm. is not something that we're happy with or we're comfortable in. Yeah, uh, and I suppose you need to to overcome that hurdle if you want to to do it properly and efficiently.
1: Well, it's interesting, actually, because just on my way here, I was listening to the radio and actually um, an aunt of mine had messaged me and said, Joe Duffy, is, they're talking on the show about cremation and funerals. And this week on the 4th and 5th of October is the Funeral Times trade show, of <laughs> which I'm going to. <laughs> um, but that's really an opportunity for the likes of funeral directors to come together, learn about kind of, you know, new practices, have a chance to actually learn from each other's experiences as well and look at new opportunities. So there was very much a focus on that on the radio today. And it was fascinating the number of people that rang in with their own tales of how maybe a father has donated their body to medical research, a mother who uh, they had actually donated her brain to the Brain Bank in Dublin. And so there's a lot of people actually doing a lot of things with regard to advanced planning for their death, but it's just not a commonly thought are, are talked about thing and so when we actually like in ireland we're phenomenal at talking about life when somebody's died somebody but else though yeah but we're not good at talking about death <laughs> yeah. while we're living yes and so we're great at toasting people honoring them and saying weren't they great but what about well they're great while they're alive and so the way i approach it is not just about death dying doom gloom But it's actually about looking at your life. So it is taking that kind of life coaching approach in the sense of looking at really reflecting on your life lived to date, looking at things like what are your values? Because your values will inform how you're cared for if you're not able to care for yourself. They will also inform if you have a family business or if you're working for another organisation. What are the values and how is that reflected within the organisation that you run or work for? and the career that you've chosen to undertake. But values as well will also identify and help clarify your boundaries as to the things that you don't want. And quite often with end of life planning, it's not really about what you want, it's about what you don't want. And so whether you think of things like your will, your power of attorney, your living will, your advanced healthcare directives, none of these in it. Can you actually dictate what you want with regard to medical care? You can say, yes, I want to be in a nursing home or I want to be at home. But ultimately, medical practitioners have the final say as to what kind yeah. of treatment. But you can say what treatment you don't want. And that's where things like the power of attorney, the advanced healthcare directives come in. Now... I'm currently, like my parents are currently putting in their power of attorneys and we were looking into this. So there's a new decision support services to actually help people that may be vulnerable, not in a position to make decisions for themselves, how to protect their rights. But this is where the ambiguity between the power of attorney that's carried out in a solicitor's office versus the decision support services. So there's a little bit of hold with regard to solicitors at the moment, not necessarily comfortable to take on the power of attorneys at the moment but there are some that are now starting to do it through the decision support services we often think that we don't need a power of attorney until we are presented with an illness an accident or imminent death as such but actually that's too late Mm -hmm. the power of attorney and even getting your will doing this kind of work with myself through living legacy is effectively it's your individual insurance as such to prepare for the what if So the same way we put our cars in once a year for an NCT, but how often do we actually do a full medical check on ourselves? The same way we take an insurance out for the car, insurance out for the house, insurance out for all manner of things in case. But yet we don't think that putting a will or an end of life plan in place is necessary until we're forced into having to do it. However, once you do it, It's actually the burden is lifted both from yourself and your loved ones because now everybody's very clear on what you want, what you don't want. The formalities are in place and you just get on with life.
0: I know. And of course, if you leave it too long, I mean, you may not be in a position to do it Yeah. or you, you may be, you know, kind of in a position to do it but maybe influenced by other people and it's it it mightn't be completely your own decision yeah
1: or you're afraid of offending people if you make certain decisions Mm. now in all fairness once you're gone it doesn't matter who you offend you're not going to have to deal with it (laughs) but i think the thing is is it's the level of grief and distress that families are put under when a loved one dies because they're already grieving Mm. and now they're faced with all of the administration the what's going to happen if it's a farm, what's going to happen to the business, Mm. what's going to happen to the house. And it may result in conflict. And quite often does because there's an avoidance of discussion. And so that's where my work really comes in to help individuals really kind of take stock of their life. Think of all the things they've achieved, things that they may have overcome, maybe lessons learned from their parents, their grandparents. What are the things they would like to pass on to the next generations? Mm. Yeah. And that also includes the financial and the legal aspects as well. But the sooner you get that in place, the sooner everybody's clear. Now, not everybody's necessarily going to like your choices, but if they're your things, then it's your choice to make. Yes. But of course, you don't have to tell them either. You don't. I think, though, quite often it's actually better when you do. Now, again, not every family is harmonious and there's always going to be gripes. And you put any group of people together, there will always be gripes and friction. I know for myself, I had the fortune of sitting down with both my parents and my brothers. And we sat down last October because I did say, I'm going to be offering the service to people. I think I need to make sure that my family is in place first. And we were fortunate because both my parents have donated their body to medical research, as have I since then. But we also spoke about the things that they would like. If they're not able to care for themselves, what kind of care would they like? What environment do they want to be in? So even in terms of what do they want in the television, do they want music in the background. How do they want to be dressed? How do they want? What food do they want to eat? So we had this really interesting conversation about it. And at the end of it, we all went, oh, God, that was great, actually, just to it was 30 minutes and it was done. Yes. Yes. So now it's a case of, okay, well, what things need to be updated since that conversation? And so they're the things that we're now all getting in place. But we're all doing it together. You know, so there is that level of harmony. But I also know from families as well where there hasn't been that harmony. There's been an avoidance and a fear of actually having to have those difficult conversations. So that's where sometimes speaking to somebody like me, going to your solicitor, going to a financial planner, you're protected in making sure that you're also aware of tax reliefs tax implications, Mm. tax burdens that you're going to be leaving on your family.
0: You're clear in your thinking as well. You're
1: clear in your thinking and I know from speaking to financial planners and to those in the legal profession is they quite often are dealing with people who haven't started thinking about it yet and they're in the office then suddenly going no well I want it this way oh no no I wanted it this way and You know, these professionals are there kind of going, well, hang on, you need to have these conversations first before you come in. And so that's where my service is, is the step before. Mm. So it's actually giving you the space and the time to be able to think of these things, but also... Do it both when you're healthy, well and able, or if you feel that you're at a point where maybe it's an important to do it now. This is not about waiting till the end to do it, but this is actually about planning for the end so then you can begin to get on with the rest of your life.
0: OK, yeah. So I love the idea of we'll say, the, the, your emphasis as well. On uh, on a person's values and on the positive things, you know, that emanate from a person's life, that they would presumably would have passed these on to their children anyway, yeah, for sure, and to those people around them, yeah. But but, I mean, it's it's uh, it's making absolutely sure that you know your wishes, however, that everybody knows your wishes at the end of the day. It
1: is. It's about honouring who you are, commemorating who you were. But also ensuring that your legacy continues long after you're gone and definitely looking at it from the I think the thing is when we're faced with something that can be quite daunting and maybe a negative connotation is flip it, flip it into what's the positive aspect that you could look at. And so, again, rather than going end of life planning and people focusing on end is actually look at the legacy, because the legacy is that is something that happens on a daily basis. We all impact and influence other people without necessarily mm. realizing how we do it
0: and that lives on after. that lives
1: on and but the thing as well is I think quite often we think legacy is something big it's like well I had this business right this big job quite often the people that are nearest to you don't care about what job you had you know I think most people in my life don't really know what I'm doing except now yeah. they, they just think I'm kind of down some other bizarre route <laughs> and yeah. focusing in on death as well but it is that thing of actually the things that possibly people will remember are the quirky things mm. or you know
2: Yeah, it's a value. That little event
1: that happened when you were eight. You know, they're the things and they're the endearing moments that people will remember you by. The bigger things are the way that you're able to earn money to then actually invest in the things that you, the people you love, the things that you want, and also in your wider community. So there are benefits to that, but it's ultimately about using this as a way to take stock of your life so that you can then really look at the life yet to live. What are the things you'd still like to do, regardless of your age, your ability? What are the things that you would still like to fulfill for yourself?
0: Okay. how can uh, any of our listeners want to, you know, delve further into this part of their lives? how can they contact
1: you so they can or get more information yes yeah, so i'm running a program at the moment in aganalo and in Scarif on mondays so that's starting now next week on the 9th so in aganalo it is from 10 to 11:30 in the community hall and then in Scarif is from 5 to 6:30 i'm also doing an online program then on monday nights so you can reach out either at info@livinglegacy.ie at or you can go to livinglegacy.ie or follow any of the social media um, pages on Facebook Instagram and LinkedIn which is at livinglegacy.ie the thing as well is is that even if you feel okay you're not necessarily interested in a group setting you I also do predominantly at the moment I've been doing one-to-one coaching um, and I actually got a lovely testimonial there about an hour ago from somebody was actually they just thought when they were meeting me that they were just going to get a checklist of okay you need to do your will power of attorney belongings, blah, 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 that's it, done, dusted. But we didn't even really look at that. We looked at so much like that, the values, the people in your life, the environment. What are the things that bring you joy? Because they're the things that are going to bring you comfort when you actually are not in a position to care for yourself. So it's actually looking at those things. So I do work on a one to one basis. I also certified as an end of life planner um, with an organization in the UK called Before I Go Solutions. So there's a way that you can actually get a workbook that has online videos that so you can self-direct it. But then there's the option as well to get the coaching with myself to kind of help keep you accountable and answer any questions that you may have with regard to an Irish context.
0: Yeah, I, I would imagine that for, for most people, particularly people who haven't thought much about this anyway, yeah. they might say to you, like, listen, I haven't a clue. Tell yeah. me where to start. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's where you can come in.
1: Yeah, that's where I come in. So I think it's the, the thing of if you actually look at, you know, we all talk about doing the spring clean and there's a concept called um, death cleaning, <laughs> which yes. is the Swedish art of death cleaning is the full title. But it is actually about if you look at starting in your home, so even looking at all of the belongings that you've accumulated over the years, if you went through everything and really see what are the things that actually have meaning for you? Maybe it was something that was given to you by, you know, a, a family member or a loved one. And what are the things you'd like to, you know, give to somebody else? But also, what are the things you'd like to enjoy? Yes. So you have all of these things. What are the things that don't matter? Get rid of them. Yes. Can you give them to other people? Donate them. You know, how can they be repurposed elsewhere? But if you actually start in your own surroundings first, even if it's taking one drawer at a time, going through your wardrobe, when you actually realise that as you start to get rid of things that no longer serve you as such, you realise that you then have this space. And that's the way when you kind of go, oh, I have a bit more room in the wardrobe now. Maybe I'll go and treat myself and I'll get a few new clothes. But it's the same when you look at the end of life planning is you're actually taking stock of everything that's connected to you, even in terms of digital legacy. So like emails, social media accounts, online bank accounts, all of these things by taking stock that then frees you up to actually look at all the things that you still want to do. So that's where the one to one helps, but also the groups can help as well, because you have a little bit of, I suppose, camaraderie in that you're all in it together. Yes. Um, But uh, obviously within the groups, individual circumstances are not discussed unless somebody wants to raise a particular thing that they want to have a question answered. What I cover are the general things like identifying the tax reliefs, looking at financial implications, kind of medical procedure not procedures but the medical documentation Mm. what are all the things that you need to consider to get your end of life plans in place but also what are the things that you need to consider if you decide not to get your end of life plans in place what's the burden that you're actually leaving for others to deal with after you're gone
0: and i suppose the specifics can be dealt with on a one-to-one basis
1: they can be dealt with on a one-to-one basis but this again is this is the first stop are the first step, should I say, in terms of really looking at whether it's reviewing everything. And again, I'm not looking for the specifics of your estate, of your belongings. That's for you. But the, I'm helping you, helping guide you as to things you need to consider. Yes. And then by gathering all of that information, then you've really given a lot of thought to all of this. And then go to the solicitor, go to the financial planner. So I'm not saying I'm instead of, I'm just the step before that. Yes, and then yeah. it means that it makes the process much quicker to get the formalities in place. And then it's done. Mm. So the I'm doing the eight-week program in Ogonolo and in Scarif. So the last one will be the 27th of November. If people want to just drop in, you know, for a once-off here and there just to check it out, they're also welcome to do that. I would encourage people to come for the full eight weeks. It is €10 Euro per person. So try to make it as affordable as possible. And it's in uh, Scarif, uh, the co-op, the East Clare co-op. And that's going to be 5 to 6.30 on Mondays. And in the Ogonla Community Hall on 10 to 11.30 on Mondays as well. But if anybody has any questions or curious to learn a little bit more, they can contact me at info at livinglegacy.ie. That's what I
0: was just going to ask you, the contact details again. Info at livinglegacy.ie. Okay, Jennifer, every Success Thank with, you very much. With your business. Yes, great. And uh, it certainly was informative um, <laughs> listening to you talking here today in studio. So um, many thanks and uh, we'll talk to you soon again. Thanks so much, Jim. An open evening took place recently in relation to the upcoming development at Indicaltra Holy Island. Deborah Dudgeon recorded some interviews from the event, including the introduction from Joan Tarmy of Clare County Council, Valerie Mullen, Chief Architect of the project, and Andrew Todd of Tandem Design Partners.
2: Um, thanks very much and it's brilliant to see so many of you out tonight um, because this information evening is about getting information out there and we want you to, to hear what, you know and see the information on the walls here. We have um, our design team who have been working really hard on this project and as Paul mentioned there, we have the current which is the old rectory being repurposed, and we're hoping to break ground between now and Christmas, construction will start on that project. So that's been, through the planning process, that's happening. And then when we look at the at the rear here behind you, there's duplicate boards, say, there's two boards there, two boards there, they're the same. So that is the future, and that's going to be a part 10 application, which hasn't been lodged yet, and will be quite a few months before it is likely to be lodged. So I'd like to I suppose point out we have a really strong design team we've been working on this project for quite some time. We have Valerie Mulville who is with the um, McCullough Mulville architects. They are the lead architects on the projects and they're leading an integrated design team. We have um, Maliki Walsh, Daniel is here with us, uh, whereas Gerard is our ecologist from Maliki Walsh as well. We have um, Fergus McGarvey from Mitchell and Associates, who are landscape architects. And I should have mentioned Tom first. Tom is our project manager and QS. No, no, last is not fine, Tom. But uh, Tom has been keeping us all in order and making sure that we're we're on track and um, keeping the program going. So thanks, Tom, for doing that. And um, last but not least is Andrew. From, Andrew Todd from Tandem um, Design Partners, um, they have been working really hard on the interpretation. So I suppose when you look at the drawings, you have the drawings themselves from an architectural point of view, but you also have the interpretation, a piece on the interpretation, on each of them, the current and the future, um, and both the, the design team and um, Andrew's team have been working really hard on this to develop something of a really high quality. So it's just an opportunity for you tonight to have a look. This is kind of, I suppose, has gone through the planning process, but it's just to remind people what's about to start, and and the um, the rectory, repurposing of the rectory, extension of the rectory into a beautiful space, linking it in with Ashford Park, who Monchena Community Council have very kindly um, offered to open up, you know, a, a link between the two. So you have side by side, you have two lovely green spaces side by side each other, creating a beautiful area within the heart of Montchannon Village. So that's big, that's about to happen and construction about to kick off. And then there's the future project behind you here. So it's just to be really clear on that. So there will be, um, if you want to have a chat to any of the design team at, when you're looking at the boards, feel free to do that. And if you have any questions, just direct it to, to wh- whoever is, is part of that team. I'm
3: Deborah, and Deborah,
4: Deborah Dudgeon from Killaloo and I'm recording for Scarf Bay Radio. So you're the chief architect in this? Yes, yeah. I'm one of them. There's a whole yeah, team of us. Yeah. Okay. There's yeah. a team of us working away on this. We're, excited um, we're very excited about yeah. it because you know we're just about to start now on yeah. the first phase. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting to think about it as two phases that are distinct. Yeah. And the reason for that is really to do with the very special nature of Mount Shannon and the lake. Yes. And the island, of course. Because the island and all its monastic remains, we have to protect them. The island is really the centre of all of this, and the island is why we're all interested yes. here. And we've been talking about how do we very sensitively allow tourism to grow, and at the same time, how do we make sure that the town benefits, from of course. That? And, and it's not that
3: in-out tourism. tourism. Yes. We're all scared of that. We don't, that's we right. don't want
4: to clip some all. No, I think that's very, very important. Yeah. So yeah. the numbers don't have to be huge, no. but it's about developing an, an infrastructure that supports what's going on. Yeah. So at the moment, the idea is the rectory gets up and running, uh-huh. and in a way that's a kind of a tester to indicate that the place can be a real centre for tourism, for East Clare, yes. but also I think it's a good way to allow people to see, you know, the 10 and the, and the, and that application that's the next the big thing. the big thing. Yes, yeah, yeah. But that's the reason for that is really to do with if you increase the numbers, you yeah. have to make sure you're not damaging the environment. Yes, very so good. there's underwater archaeology going on, very there's log boats have been found we've got to build a new mooring, but all that has to be done with Irish waterways and with the National Monuments Department. So we've a lot of discussion that we've been having with all of those. Very, very interesting. Our team has an archaeologist on it, Claire Walsh, uh, and an ecologist. Those things contribute to us trying to make a very holistic project. That sounds really, really lovely. Yeah, it is. It's certainly not a, a quick hit. No, no. And in fact, the thing we've spoken about most this evening no. is what people are calling slow tours. Yes, of course. That yep. means people are coming because they want to be like here. They're not, they're not on a bus. No, like and, spend different they, the spend and they spend time yeah. here. And they spend time. And we exactly. want we want the Man Shannon tourists yes. to come to Guernsey. Yes. And, and the see the all place. our heritage. Yes. So because it's you really really have Brian Baru and Saint Flannan and all of that, and Andrew from Tandem who's over there has been working very. In very in-depth with, with all of those historical people. Oh, good. Because his idea about the Interpretive Centre, yeah. both in its early phase in yeah. the and as it develops into the bigger... He's interested in, in developing the stories of people oh, lovely. from the area. Good. And that's really crucial because yeah. he's very knowledgeable about yeah. it all and he's done a lot of work on it. Good. And we were talking a, a little while ago at the community council um, meeting about the possibility of perhaps getting artefacts that would have been excavated from the island yes. in the 60s yes. and trying to re- get them to repatriate them. Yeah. It's a bit like the skulls in English Yes, office. it is, yeah. And there's every possibility that that could happen, but it would need a real group of people. Oh, good. Here. To look for that and to demand it from the National yeah, museum. Yeah. So that's a task that people need oh to no, get started a fun on. One. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. Wonderful. Because you know, when the new visitor centre be down by the harbour that's complete, it can take much bigger numbers than the record. The idea is that you grow the numbers slowly over a few yeah. years, and and you keep it at that sort of sustainable but, level. Yeah, There's nice. a lot of work that we've done in terms of making different paths again, yeah, okay. but making them without destroying the archaeology that's there. So NUIG in Galway are doing a project on exactly how to make those Okay, which is part of Fergus McGarvey, who's who's, uh, the landscape architect there, he's doing that project in Galway. Um, It's very, I suppose, it really is a deep dive, it's not just a shallow, what can we do and how No, which is very reassuring actually. It's really, and to me, it's also interesting to consider what will happen to the rectory mm. when the new centre opens, say, in five years' time. Yes. Yeah. So that's something that the, the local community need to be thinking about and saying, right, wait, is it going to be art? Is it going to yeah. be a shop? Is it going to it be. It can be used, knows. though, because it it'll it be well, finished to the well, yes, very high standard. Yeah. It will, it will, it yeah. will it be wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So Clare County Council, we need to be persuaded that that's a building that you can still make use of. Yes of course in the club and yeah. to do all of the things that would work with that yeah. which, which will in the end you know encourage people to come to clinics to, to, to live here then and yep. to live here you're yep. right yeah. so that's all terribly terribly important it is it is that you're so not keeping just getting what's going. that yeah. you're making a settlement you're yeah. making it bigger you're attracting people right. to the country and, and so you're, and you're doing to live it here. you're doing it because it's the right thing we to do, do because yes. we need people back in the town. we do yeah, we do because we need yeah. to have vital communities we that do. are actually of the place yes. that yes. haven't just you know come in on for a day no
3: no we really do no, Valerie that's so important that's really important you great thank you thank you Talking to Andrew Todd. Yep. And you are the?
5: Uh, interpretive designer, so visitor experience oh, designer.
3: Oh, very good. So you've done the rectory, phase one.
5: Phase one for the rectory, uh-huh. so the focus on the three zones in there and oh. then also the concept for the, the new build yeah. aspects. V- very uh, good. Further down the road.
3: And the, three, the the spaces in the rectory that'll start in December, what, yes. what are those fa- so, spaces? W-
5: well, are? there's a reception area, first of all, but when you go into the first exhibition space, it's all about the Holy Island and, and how it's formed and who built it and the characters behind the original... Yeah. Oh, of very it, good. And then how it developed over the years and became in, such a. in medieval
3: a, times, yeah, like, yeah. So you're going to go right to saints yeah, and scholars. Absolutely. And the and just And, and how, how and you
5: become a saint and things oh, like that. Oh, so yeah. very all, all in day's work. And then yeah. uh, the next, the new build part, when you go through, it's a nice open space, you've got nice sight lines. I saw through. a
3: lovely graphic of it there. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of domed,
4: isn't it? Yes, kind it's of a harsh? big bolt, yeah, so it it's healing, so it's really lovely.
5: And then at the head of that, we've got a, a r- quite a sculptural piece which represents all Loch Derg. Oh, good. And then positions you in Mount Shannon so you understand where you are in relation to the island. Of course. And, Loch Durg. Yeah. and then lo- lo- along the left hand side, we've got built into the walls the listening booth so you'll listen to folklore and oh. traditional music and things that the landscape inspires. Great. The central print then looks at the history of Mount Shannon Village and the living Village oh, and how yes. it's formed and how it's built. Mm-hmm. And then the right hand side of the space is looking at the architecture of the village. So oh, if you yeah. go out and recognize Walk along the main street because it's a
3: planted village, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is was, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
5: For so linen. It's all is it linen, linen village. Yeah, yeah. so,
3: so the, the, yeah, the, the structure of Manchin and the planted yes. village, the and
5: the, how, it, how it developed, and, yeah. and also its uniqueness today the fact that it it's still unique. such a beautiful village. It is. It's again telling the story of Astier Park as well, and the fact that it saved the character really yeah. of the village. So, yeah. and then the last space is divided into two one looks at the community lives here, uh-huh. and the people live that work on or work around or live you know, enjoy the and the surroundings and then there's a little zone at the back that looks at the ecology and biodiversity oh, of the whole area good. and how it impacts the people living here a little wrap-up so you're looking at the origins the island and, and it, then the origin of the village it, and then how it all comes together good. today Brilliant.
3: sounds so, lovely andrew so really all the all yeah yeah Sorry. so launching when would you say so well starting uh, in december starting december
5: so uh, i will defer to joan's <laughs> <but laughs> program for that but it's it's it, it, you know, it's, a, it's a good ambitious program to get there yeah the great it's, the building's already there, there's one extension part, yeah. so then we'll probably yeah, we'll exactly. you know, get them going properly in the new year for the development of the, okay. the exhibition and getting the bid out contract on board yeah. for that. So Very good.
3: We look forward to in Gillaloo, this centre pointing people down to Gillaloo. Yes, absolutely. You know, absolutely, and tying yeah. in with our heritage. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's got a so brilliant story to of, tell, so, yeah, yeah, we really have. And yeah. then St. Flannan's in the centre of it all, yeah. and the oratory. Yeah. Yeah, so it could really, be really, it could really all tie up together, being yeah. Tomb with St. Yes, Rons absolutely, and yeah. We're yeah. also
5: working on the Shannon, Shannon and Wife Waterways Ireland. So that's running the whole way from the Shannon Pot the whole way down to um, a scheme. We're doing the length of the Shannon coming down this way as well. So oh. it's going to start connecting everything together. It's brilliant, yeah. So, so this is kind
3: of Blueway, Hidden Heartland. Yes, so exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very yeah. good. Well, thank you, Andrew.
5: Absolute pleasure. Nice to talk to you. you too.
0: I spoke to Charlie Macdonald, Vice Commodore of Killaloo Sailing Club, about next Thursday's talk in the Lakeside Hotel on the life of conor o'brien i'm joined on the line now by charlie Macdonald, who's a vice commodore with killaloo sailing club uh charlie you're very welcome to scarlet bay community radio
6: oh, thank you for having me
0: charlie you are organizing uh, a talk a very special talk uh in the uh, uh in the lakeside hotel in killaloo during uh, the coming week and um I've rang you up really to have a chat about it. Good, Uh, yeah. We're talking about uh, the life of Conor O'Brien and uh, his life and, I suppose, his his sailing exploits as well.
6: Yes, uh, Conor O'Brien is a, a famous sailor and has written many books on sailing, but he was also an Irish patriot was involved in gun running in the Kelpie. The Kelpie and the Asgard were two boats that brought, brought arms to Ireland during the, in 1914. Um, Conor O'Brien uh, sailed around the world from 1923 to 1925. He actually left uh, Dunleary uh, on the 20th of June and returned two years later on the 20th of June in his 42-foot yacht, Searsha. Meaning freedom and to, to celebrate the starting of the new state. Um, so so he has written uh, books on that voyage, and um, he, mm-hmm. he is uh he, he's a man that people probably should know about. Um,
0: yes, and of course he was um, descended from the O'Briens uh, of Kinkora.
6: Yes, he would be. You know, he was he he would be. It would be, I think, a nephew of the Smith O'Brien of the eighteen uh, forty-eight uh, Young Ireland um, Revolution at that time, and he, he would be related to the O'Briens of Drumullen Castle. So yes. he would be in that line from Brian brew He would be one of the, of the of that family.
0: Yeah, and of course, after whom the 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 GA club in killoo is named.
6: Yes, that's that's very pertinent. Yes. Um,
0: so, uh, it really is, yeah. So, uh, Conor O'Brien, and I mean, it's for somebody, you know, who obviously did what he did and sailed around the world, as well as being a patriot and being part of the the movement for freedom in the 1914-16 the period. Um, he's somebody, I suppose, uh, Charlie, that, as you say, we should know about.
6: Yes, he was. He wrote several books, as I as I said, and he was also an architect, and he designed the the Searsha and the Ilan. The yes. Ilan was commissioned by the Falkland Islanders, and he sailed that. He had that built down in West Cork and sailed it down to, um, to the Falkland Islands on uh, in 1928-29. Yes. Uh, that boat was brought back by Gary McMahon, and that boat has been rebuilt as well, as indeed the. The Searsha has. Yes. Um, I saw both, both of them down in Baltimore back in May at the at the traditional boat rally down there.
0: Yes. Okay. That's brilliant. And who is delivering the lecture on, on the coming week, uh, Charlie? Uh,
6: his name is Vincent Murphy. I've seen his lecture in Foynes. Um, it, it is a project of his to write this um, or to research the life of Conor O'Brien. And it is an excellent an excellent lecture, very well researched, and lots of detail in it. Um, so so that's basically it. Um, yeah. The other aspect to the thing is, I suppose, that we are keen to promote sailing in the Killaloo area. And yeah. Conor O'Brien was the first man to sail around the world south of the Great Capes in a small boat. Um, we, as you, we were discussing earlier, uh, um, invested in the new clubhouse and uh, sailing development uh, and, and re- we're in receipt of funds from the Clare leader and the Tipperary leader yes. group so it's 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 a facility that has been sponsored by the state and we're willing or we want the local people to participate in the club
0: yes. and to
6: come out there and try sailing and and learn how to sail and it's Above anything, it's a family-friendly sailing club.
0: Yes, and, and um, we were down um, at the opening, uh, the the radio station, and we did a piece on it, I remember. I was driving up during the week from Killaloo up to Scariff, and uh, there were a lot of uh, people out sailing sailing. Um, on the in that area there adjacent to where you are, has the, has the, have the new facilities uh, made a big difference now in terms of the operation of your club and the attractiveness of it for new members joining?
6: Oh, it has. I mean, uh, before this new clubhouse was built, we were really changing out of the back of our cars. Um, we have over a hundred members now. To, um, Junior members, family members, uh, single members, and um, we we have racing every Tuesday night uh, now. At this month, it will be on Sundays because of the the early darkness at this time of the year. Um, but yes. yeah, it, it it has come on, and we have got new members. But we want we want to have more because we have the facility now to cater for them.
0: Yes. And tell me, I mean, for for somebody now, maybe a young person who or anybody who who would like to try it out, uh, can they do that without having to invest in in a in a sailing boat or some type of craft? Can they can they come along and give it a go?
6: Yes, uh, the try sailing was on Thursday nights uh, up to up to now. Uh, There'll be try sailing on Sundays as well from now on. And um, if if people get into the website and. Um, They'll, they'll see. Uh, they'll, they can fish around and see what's happening. But basically, we do have club boats. So if somebody comes out try sailing, and then they can take out one of the club boats themselves and see how they get on. And if they join the club, they don't have to buy a boat themselves. They can use one of the club boats. Um, and 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 basically, that's. Um, that's it. We're, 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 we are keen to encourage people. Uh, yes. it's, it's not for everybody, but, but the lake is 26 miles long. It's a yes. huge facility for the area, yes. and we should be using yes. it.
0: And I presume it's possible uh, to get lessons in sailing as well, Charlie?
6: Yes, there are several courses on during the during the summer season mostly, and uh, they are for adults and for juniors as well, uh, mostly for juniors and um they, they have different levels um, of sailing and yeah they're, they're on and they're very popular and they're sold out every year okay. but we will have to, have to yeah, yeah so
0: i suppose for anyone who is interested uh to go to your website would be the thing to do
6: yes absolutely and maybe come up uh, and now on it will be sunday mornings for this month so come up on sunday morning you'll be very welcome to look around and uh, try sailing if with somebody available, and or, or if, if if not, we can make an arrangement. Um, you know, an appointment for one of the members to take you out.
0: Okay, listen, that's great. Tell us again uh, when uh, is the lecture on where and what time?
6: Yeah, the lecture is on at seven thirty on Thursday, on th- next Thursday, the twelfth of October. It's uh, it's at the Lakeside Hotel in the ballroom there. The Lakeside Hotel in and in, in Killaloo,
0: yeah. OK, well, hopefully uh, it will bring a large crowd and it's certainly an interesting subject. And as we said at the beginning, one that's uh, connected with Killaloo to an extent of the, the O'Brien connection. And hopefully you yes. will get a, a large turnout. Charlie MacDonald, Vice Commodore of Killaloo Sailing Club, many thanks for joining us today.
6: And thank you for having me.
0: And finally... Dan Minchin, chief bell ringer at St Flannan's Cathedral, has made a chime of Ireland's call, which has gone viral on media, and will be played for the Irish rugby team this weekend. <laughs>
3: Wonderful. Thank you, Dan. I'm here in St. Flannan's Bell Tower with uh, Dan Minchin, who is the main man as regards bells. Dan recently decided to try to make a chime of Ireland's call. And it was he was here last Saturday when the flower girls were doing their arrangements for harvest. And he said, sure, I'll go up the tower and see, does this work? And a passerby uh, heard it, recorded it and sent it to us, and we put it on our social media. And as a result, we had a huge interest. (laughs) So poor Dan not not wanting to be one has become a bit of a celebrity. <laughs> Dan, you love the bells obviously.
7: Ah uh, yes, the, the bells are special. The bells are a bit like people.
3: Are they? And in
7: different parts of the world that's why they have names of people on them. Oh. Like our own ones here. Are they got. names? Tenneville has a bishop's name on it.
3: Oh yes, it's memorialised. Uh, and
7: in Notre Dame uh, I had a chance to ring Emmanuel. Oh did you? With a coin because they slam it with a hammer now.
3: Oh, oh right. They
7: used to have a seesaw above it and people who are probably totally deaf used to rock the bell there.
3: Really?
7: But the bells here, they're um, all fixed.
3: They are, yes. So right. explain how that works because well, people are imagining you hanging at the end of a rope now and you're not.
7: Uh, no, you're no, in no, front no, of a no, panel
3: no, no. of eight chords. Uh, there's eight bells. Eight bells. Uh,
7: and it's a, it's a, they're all whole notes. There's no half notes or um, sharps or flats. John Williams, in 2006, when Munster won the uh, Heineken Cup, he played The Fields of Athenry on it, and people seemed to like that. So that was really part of the inspiration, inspiration.
3: for this. Very good. Uh,
7: unfortunately, John is not with us. He's in Australia now, in Queensland. But uh, yes, these bells are fixed, and the clapper, which is what swings underneath, it's a rod in the middle of the bell. Okay. And when you pull it to one side, and it strikes the side of the bell that happens when you pull one of these ropes like and you put you put it towards yes you and you, you pull it and you let it go instantly otherwise it sounds awful like this
3: oh yeah it goes it, you, flat you don't get doesn't it yeah but sadly that's because the clapper is stuck to the side of the bell it, it is yeah, yeah and then it can not released right. yeah
7: and uh, it, a lot of it is since we have eight bells we can play tunes on it mm-hmm. which the people that swing bells are not able to do, oh, okay. so it's a different kind of ringing entirely and you can give different emphasis. For example this would be called as just a straight chime, <laughs> but if you do this they're exactly the same notes uh-huh. in the same order and you know exactly what it is. <laughs> The thing is, uh, the timing uh, when, you're, when you're playing with the ropes is kind of important. The timing Otherwise really matters. You, you, you can't pick up what it's okay. representing.
3: So you can give it and that inflection by just hanging on that little bit more, or the speed from when you change to one pull to the next? Y- yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, huh. and you,
7: the bells traditionally would send out messages that if you were under attack mm-hmm. uh, during war, mm-hmm. or if there was a, a major environmental disaster, you'd play this. And you continue doing that. And that's the opposite to the chime that I
3: rang. Okay. Which was... That backwards, it's backwards, yes. Yeah, and, and so that's kind of an international an emergency in, in, tune
7: in, in Europe. It's no really? that way, yes. I
3: never knew that, Dan. You have a load of different tunes here, like you have lovely ones. The ones I know go on, you explain. We had them a to ringer us.
7: here actually from Ukraine. Oh, Andre, and yes, and, uh Pavlik. Uh, There's his from and Mariupol. His favorite tune was Avondale, okay, that he would play. And for Ukraine, in fact, for, for a year before we met, Andrei, we,
4: we would played play this one hard times, come again no
7: more, I because I felt at the time, most of the churches did ring for Ukraine initially at this time and they may still do for all I know. Mm. But every time I've been here, well before a service, I would ring a quarter chime, which is this.
3: Yes, I hear what, that at home. Yeah. Every
7: single month, that the oh, war has taken so place.
3: Oh, damn, I never and knew that.
7: I, I finished that then with hard times. times. Yes,
3: that's so, a lovely and tribute.
7: I, I felt that actually Martin, who is our tower captain. Yes, the, Martin we Cooper. Actually, we're, n- we're not very formal here. No, uh, we We call not. ourselves the bellies. <laughs> the bellies. And, I mean, you could be <laughs> called all sorts of more uh, superior things, I suppose, <laughs> but uh, it, it was okay when there were six of us in the, back in the noughties playing because mm. we were all male. But uh-huh. now we've got ladies playing, we and we're not terribly sure whether bellies oh, is they appropriate don't like for God. them. But uh, they don't seem to mind, so we um, we still uh, have the names. The
3: bellies, okay. So, so you're, the, you're the chief belly at the moment, uh, well, kind yes, of. Uh, but, the, yeah.
7: but Martin is, is the person, the he, belly he's, captain. he's very good <laughs> and very strong. He's much better than I am
3: so let's see what other ones so, you have here well, shoe the donkey you said that's uh, a traditional irish that's a yeah. traditional
7: irish one shoe the donkey the uh, circle uh, will be on un-
3: sort of okay. like oh, i, know, yeah. I, re- recognize, I, it recognize, I recognize it that. i do yeah
7: uh, and then uh, this is a negro spiritual uh, will the circle be unbroken <laughs>
3: I to, recognize uh, that now, yeah. Negro spirituals, That's uh, a beautiful tune.
7: We gather by the river, which is rather appropriate for us.
3: Yes, and it is. And then
7: we have uh, some Celtic tunes like Mandalay. Mm. Um, these are West Coast Scottish oh, tunes. Oh, yes, um, lovely. Uh, the Skyboat Boat song.
3: Oh, yeah. We, 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 have, we sing hymns to the Skyboat Boat sa- song tune, don't we? Really? we do I, I, I think we do yeah, yes there's definitely uh, a hymn or two that takes that I'm not familiar with every single hymn no in only, the book <laughs> <work. no laughs> I say no um, it's wonderful um, like we're uh, very lucky that to have this but we're lucky in that we have this flexibility to play tunes whereas the ones hanging out of the ropes don't have that great flexibility yeah, but you they know? sound
7: so much better do though, you think don't they? oh I love I love the ring of, of, of the, the swinging bells the yes. swinging bells yeah and, and St Mary's now they, they, have uh, them. they have them but at the moment the.
3: There's are dismantled uh, the and gone. are being
7: refurbished.
3: It's so interesting and here in Killaloo, we're used to hearing the bells but visitors when they come here they go oh my god that's gorgeous and they love trying them as well don't they?
7: People really like to have a go yeah. and uh, they say the best time I had here was actually yeah. when I had a chance to ring the bells and, and, and I was able to record it and send it to my friends. It's true
3: <laughs> and that's something we have to look at from a tourism aspect here in Killaloo. You know what kind of experiences can we offer people and ringing the bells you're you're ticking an experience and you're seeing a bit of Killaloo heritage and then you're going to the top of the tower and seeing all the counties around us and and Claire as well. So it's a beautiful experience, really. Well, we, Once we, we can get it together. We are with 800 oh, years We us are here. I would, in in this 800-year-old building that is the third on its site on the site here. So we're we're full of heritage. But talking about our rugby heritage now. So we'll go back to Ireland's call. Dan, what what we're hoping to do is you have got such a great response on social media, especially Twitter about you ringing Ireland's call. So what we're thinking of doing is, can we recruit other churches and uh, for the next match against Scotland, we can maybe get lots of churches ringing out Ireland's call in support of our team. Which would be fantastic.
7: It, it, it's, it's Flower of Scotland a, is your next one, because oh, to be no, fair, I, I, I don't <laughs> think I, I can, can do that uh, legitimately if I'm playing that. As, uh, I think that we, we're all on on the one side on this particular <laughs> day.
3: Well, we'll see if we c- if we can get a load of churches ringing out the bells. It would be really special, I think. I think well, people would love it, don't well,
7: you? I, I know that. Uh, well, you have been to St. Anne's. Yes, uh, Shandon, bells Shandon bells. In bells Bork, yes, and they, they have. Uh, exactly the same setup as us, but it's a bit more awkward to play. Because I, I think
3: they're going to be on for doing this as well. We'll be sending down your tune. So <laughs> Dan's wife Barbara was saying he was we were practicing Ireland's call for the week, trying to tweak it to get it right not yes. you? I, I was only
7: practicing, and then somebody, somebody outside recorded, recorded you. it for some reason. <laughs> and,
3: and you became famous, as I said. I heard it back,
7: and the timing wasn't particularly <laughs> well, good. Well, everyone else loved it. Yeah.
3: So here, Dan, thank you very much for thank doing you. this interview for Scariff Bay Community Radio, and we'll definitely be talking to you again.
7: Oh, well, okay? gosh, Deborah, you're very kind. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you, okay. Dan.
0: You have been listening to News Extra on Scariff Bay Community Radio. Join us again next weekend and we will keep you updated on local events. This is Jim Collins for Scarif Bay Community Radio.